wireless microphone has been shorting out in recent weeks and it seems that it's doing it again today. So you get less of the televangelist look and more of the street preacher look. There's an understandable irony to having a male pastor stand up on a Sunday morning to preach a sermon on motherhood. Most of us have probably seen it done many times and usually it plays out in one of a couple of different ways. Sometimes this male pastor stands up and says something like, motherhood is a woman's highest calling. It's an understandable urge. Mother's Day matters because mothers matter. In fact, we, I don't think we don't place enough emphasis on motherhood within church context. F fun fact, Mother's Day actually started in church. It's not a commercial holiday. It comes out of a Mennonite tradition. The flip side to standing up and having a male pastor talk about Mother's Day and placing great emphasis on it is that while I join in the celebration of mothers, the idea that motherhood is a woman's highest calling is simply false. And for many women, the idea of that is very offensive. Again, I'm not going after anyone who does this. They're trying to honor mothers, as well we should, but we need to be careful with our language. And so for those who recognize this, the second way that Mother's Day sermons sometimes play out is that a male pastor stands up and says, I want to preach about all women today, not just mothers. But that tends to be problematic, too, because this is Mother's Day. And so I want to try and address both a little bit this morning. Um, I want to discuss women and mothers and pay tribute to both. And you'll hopefully we'll come to see why that's important. And I don't want the men to think that you are precluded this morning from entering into this conversation about womanhood or motherhood, even though I recognize the irony of doing so. And so I hope that this sermon will serve as a celebration of moms and of, uh, of women, and I anticipate that the prescriptive elements of it will go in a direction that most of us are probably not anticipating. Carolyn Custis James said it well in her book, Half Church. She says, to define women solely in terms of marriage and motherhood simply does not fit the reality of most of our lives. Even for those women who enthusiastically embrace marriage and motherhood, a substantial part of their lives is spent without a husband and or children. Furthermore, the traditional message to women is tenuous at best. All it takes is a single tragic phone call for her to be dropped from that demographic. It happens almost every day. And she goes on to say, a message that points to the marriage altar as the starting gate of God's calling for women leaves us with nothing to tell unmarried women except that God's purpose for them is not in the here and now, but somewhere down the road. And I couldn't agree with her more. Two things can be true at the same time. For many women, being a wife and a mother is a big part of their life and their identity in Christ. And we should celebrate that. But saying that it is their highest calling is flatly untrue. Their highest calling is to God. And so even on Mother's Day, it is important to understand something clearly. A Christian woman's highest calling is to Christ. And following Christ is something that women can do, whether they are married or single, rich or poor, sick or healthy, childless or June Cleaver. It does not matter. And so all of this brings us to Proverbs 31. 
these 22 verses have seemed to contradict what I just said, right? The verses that Renee read for us. They seem to contradict this idea that a woman's calling is not in being married or a mother. The Proverbs 31 woman, as it's come to be known, has taken on a life of its own. You can go and find whole books and Bible studies and devotionals that focus on these 22 verses and pick them apart verse by verse and word by word to tell you as a woman and a mother how to live your life. A prescriptive template for what a Christian woman should be. What's interesting, though, is that the interpretation of this passage in that way, uh, the interpretation that this is describing the biblical ideal of a woman is actually a fairly new one. It's only existed since about the 1960s. It's widely accepted today in evangelical circles, and in many cases it's been used as a weapon against women. But it is a fairly new idea. The historical interpretation of Proverbs 31 is very different. To properly understand Proverbs 31, we need to spend some time discussing everyone's favorite subject, Hebrew languages. Not just ancient languages, not just Hebrew language in itself, but the context surrounding them. There are mothers here, so spare me your groans. Moms, I'm helping, uh, help me out. We'll get through this together. It'll be painless, I promise. These 22 verses of, the, of chapter 31 are actually a poem in Hebrew. It's packed with hyperbolic imagery, and this poem is actually what's called an acrostic. Each line of the poem in the original Hebrew begins with the a sequential letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Each word, each line, goes down the Hebrew alphabet in order. It communicates a sense of totality as the poet praises the everyday achievements of an upper-class Jewish wife, a woman who keeps her household functioning day and night by buying, trading, investing, planting, sowing, spindling, managing servants, extending charity, providing food for the family, and preparing for each season. Those are just some of the things it mentions. Like any good poem, it is not meant to be a template or a prescriptive thing. It is meant to draw attention to the overlooked glory of the everyday. It is meant to praise someone doing well in the everyday. So in order to understand Proverbs 31, we need to actually go right to the beginning of this section of it in verse 10. And we need to discuss the first line of verse 10 in quite some detail. Depending on what translation you are reading, it will be rendered as either a, a wife of noble character or a woman of virtue or something similar. And that seems innocuous enough but it actually misses something big. All translations of the Bible are imperfect. There is no one translation that fully captures everything perfectly. That's not a reflection on the Bible, that's a reflection on human nature and the imperfect nature of our communication. The point though is that in order to properly understand certain passages, we have to consult multiple translations to get a holistic understanding of it. When we rely solely on one, we often miss details and intricacies, and this is one of those times. The first line of verse 10 
is incredibly important to understand in its totality. The NIV translated as a wife of noble character who can find. The NLT renders it as who can find a virtuous and capable wife. So they add a little bit more in there. The phrase being translated here is two Hebrew words. And they should be pretty obvious because they're on the screen. Eshet Heil. Eshet Heil is so much more than simply a wife of virtue. It's even more than the way NLT translated. It is much more even than, than saying a, a virtuous and capable wife. Eshet Heil is an ancient Hebrew rallying cry. Perhaps the most influential writer of my, on my faith was Rachel Held Evans. She wrote extensively on this subject of Eshet Heil. After years of research, while acknowledging that even she was still not fully capturing the full meaning of this Hebrew phrase, she started translating it as woman of valor. In her mind, that came closest. Eshet Heil encompasses all of the above. Eshet Heil means a woman of noble character, a brave woman, a virtuous woman, a woman who works hard. It encaptures all of the above, and you'll come to see why in a minute. Her research showed that Jewish people would use Eshet Heil as kind of a stand-in for you go, girl. They would shout it at each other when one of them did something worthy of praise. It is used extensively throughout the Old, Tef Old Testament in celebratory modes. It was a rallying cry. It was used to celebrate women not for what they did, but the way they did it. It was used to celebrate women who were living good, true, God-honoring lives. It was not prescriptive. It didn't involve saying you must do this to be a God-honoring woman. It was celebratory. You are honoring God, therefore Eshet Heil. For proof of this, we only need to look elsewhere in the Old Testament in, in Scripture to see where this phrase is used in different methods. Each time that it is used in our English translations, we get different renderings. The NIV Bible translates Eshet in 17 different ways in English. The same phrase is translated into different words in English depending on the context because we can't fully capture it. Eshet is used to describe Ruth. Let's compare this woman described in Proverbs 31 with Ruth. If you know much about Ruth, then you know that she probably was not much, at least outwardly, more op couldn't be more opposite than the woman described in Proverbs 31. Ruth was a Maobite. That was a big no-no back then. Men were forbidden from marrying foreign wives. Ruth was childless. After eight years of marriage to her first husband, Ruth had never given birth to a single child. Ruth was single. And as a childless foreign widow, Ruth had not been, would not have been considered a valuable wife by most Hebrew men. R Ruth was dirt poor. Rather than exchanging fine linens with the merchants to bring home a profit for her husband and children like the Proverbs 31 woman, Ruth spent her days gleaning leftovers from the workers in the fields so that she and her mother-in-law could simply survive. And yet, despite looking nothing like the June Cleaver woman in Proverbs 31, Ruth 
is bestowed with the highest honor. She is called a woman of valor. She is called Eshet Chayel, the exact same phrase used in Proverbs 31. And here's, get, get this, she's called a woman of valor before she marries Boaz, before she has a child with him, before she becomes a wealthy and influential woman. She is Eshechayel before she has anything in common with this woman in Proverbs 31. And so why is all of this so important for, for understanding this on Mother's Day and for understanding Proverbs 31? Why is Eshechayel so important for unlocking its true meaning and lesson? Because it's clearly not what you do that makes you a woman of valor. It's how you do it. Ruth is not identified as a woman of valor because she checked off the Proverbs 31 to-do list by keeping a clean house or producing children, but because she lived her life with incredible bravery and wisdom and strength, and that is what God had called her to in her time and moment. If both the wealthy domestic superstar housewife of Proverbs 31 and the single childless field gleaner Ruth are identified the same way in Scripture, then we as Christians have to take a lesson in that. What does that mean about what it means to be a woman of valor or of virtue or of character, depending on your translation? We should be able to honor women regardless of their station in life, regardless of their roles, regardless of what they are called to. If they are living into the life God has called them to, that's all that matters. I've mentioned before that strong women are a curse in my life. It's a cross I've been called to bear. I was born to a very strong woman who would not put up with me. I married a strong woman who does not put up with me. And I am raising increasingly strong girls who are increasingly not putting up with me. Eshet Chayel, woman of valor. That's what I pray over my girls. I don't know if they're going to end up becoming a preacher like my mother, standing up to an established order that says that women should not stand behind a pulpit. I don't know if they're going to run a home-based business like my wife and raise children at the same time. I don't know if they're going to do any or none of that. But if, they are, if we raise them right, and if they are walking with God well enough, if they are doing what they feel, what they have discerned the Holy Spirit is urging them to do, then they are every bit as much Eshet Chayel as my mother and my wife. Woman of valor is the key to unlocking this passage because it tells us not only that the woman being described is worthy of celebration, but that she's being celebrated not so much for the things listed there, but rather because these are the things she is called to. She's being celebrated for how she's living her life. One of the greatest mistakes that we make in modern Canadian culture and Western culture is assigning a person value based on their roles or accomplishments. We do this to men, to be sure, but we really do this to women. We try to tell women who they must be or what they must do and that that is where their value is. Ladies, let me be very, very clear with all of you this morning. If you are a stay-at-home mom and that is what you are called to, then Proverbs 31 was written to celebrate you. If you are a go-get-em woman who has 12 things on the go at one time, 
and you feel that that is what God has called you to, then Proverbs 31 was written to celebrate you. If you support your husband behind the scenes or, you're at, or whether you're at the forefront, Proverbs 31 was written for you. Whatever your circumstances or calling, where your heart is in what you're pursuing is what matters. And if your heart is after God, then Proverbs 31 was written to celebrate you. And we join in that celebration today. It is our character that defines us, not our roles. If the Bible teaches us anything about women, it's that women of valor can be found in all kinds of cultures, in all kinds of roles, and in all kinds of circumstances. The truth is that a woman of noble character will fill any role with valor. Now, I mentioned a few minutes ago that there is indeed an instructive element to Proverbs 31. Here's these 22 verses. 21 of them are descriptive of a specific woman. But there is one verse that is instructive. And it's often surprising for people to realize. Time to wake up from your naps, men, because I'm talking to you. The only instructive language contained in Proverbs 31 is directed to men. With the admonition that a thankful husband honor his wife for all that her hands have done. What I wouldn't pay to see a Christian men's conference focus on Proverbs 31. This is a poem. It's a song of praise from a husband to his wife. It's full of hyperbolic language because that's how poetry works. Jewish men would compose poems and read them over their wives to celebrate them. And this particular one, scholars tell us, was one of the most famous and it endured and was added to our Bible. I don't think that was a mistake, but I think we spend a lot of time misunderstanding it. The point, gentlemen, is that while women, the women in our lives are called to live whatever job God, whatever life God has called them to, it's our job to celebrate them for it. And speaking very convictingly to myself, men, we are failing at the task. We should be celebrating women who are living into their calling at every turn. Single women, married women, mothers, girls, all women. We should be celebrating them. This is about much more than scrambled eggs with shells in them and served in bed one day per year. In this church, we affirm the full and equal status of men and women in every area of life, including in the church. I am very conscious of the fact that I have been pastor here for over a year, and we have not yet had a woman come and proclaim the gospel in my time here. I don't think that's anybody's fault. We've made attempts. COVID's been difficult in that, but it's something that I hope will be remedied soon. Because if men are the only ones doing this, then we're receiving only one perspective on the gospel. The point is not simply symbolic. Not all women are called to preach. Not all men are called to preach. It is a select few regardless of gender. It is a very specific calling. But we need to make sure that we're not creating barriers and that when women do step up and live lives as God has, live the life God has called her to, even if that includes preaching, then us men need to be ready to cheer her on. Proverbs 31 tells us we have to. 
It's a woman's job to live into her calling. It's a man's job to celebrate her for it. Because it is incredibly hard to be a woman today. We are rapidly approaching the territory where the irony of a man talking about this is rapidly getting up to absurd proportions, but bear with me. It is hard to be a woman today. Women are constantly told that there is some kind of platonic ideal of what a woman should be. Again, Proverbs 31 has been used in this context a lot. Constant barrages of the image of the perfect woman. Ladies, what you do may be worthy of celebration, but it absolutely does not define you. You are made in the image of God, and if you are seeking his will for your life, and you are trying to live into it, then that is what defines you and nothing else. The brave women of Scripture, from Ruth to Deborah to Mary Magdalene to Mary of Bethany, remind us that there is no right way to be a woman. And that these images of perfection that women are confronted with every day are laughable. They are laughable because women who truly are living into their calling know something already. They know the big secret. They are already enough. Verse 25 says, The wise woman laughs at the days to come. I don't think Proverbs... I don't think the Proverbs 31 woman laughs because she has it all together. I think she laughs because she knows this big secret about being enough. And honestly, what could be more prescient today than a woman who stares into the uncertain future and laughs because she knows that it matters not. She knows that she's enough regardless. And so to all the women listening, here in the room, those at home, those of you who have children, those of you who do not, those of you <coughs> who will stumble across this online months or years from now, may you live into whatever reality God has called you to today. May you do so boldly and with the confidence that God loves you and empowers you. And men, may we celebrate them for it every day. May we lift them up and encourage them in doing so. And as we do, as we change this perception of the Proverbs 31 woman, the world will become a better place. We celebrate you women today. We celebrate you mothers today. And we endeavor to celebrate you every day. Today we declare you, Eshet Kyle. Go and be women of valor. Let's pray together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Bless all women who daily strive to bring peace to their communities, to their homes, and to their hearts. Give them strength to continue to turn swords into plowshares. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. We pray for all women who face prejudice, inequality, and gender discrimination. Help us see and to face the discrimination against women in all of its many forms here at home and across the world. Where there is injury, help us sow pardon. Confront comfort, excuse me, comfort all women who suffer from the pain of war and violence and abuse. Help them to become instruments of their own reconciliation and peace. Where there is division, let us sow unity. 
forgive all women and men who let differences of gender breed hate and discrimination. Let your example of valuing all creation help us to see that we are equal partners in the stewardship of your world. Where there is light, where there is darkness, let us sow light, and where there is untruth, let us sow truth. Comfort all women who struggle in the darkness of abuse, poverty, and loneliness. May we stand with them in the light to acknowledge their suffering and strive to remove the burdens of shame or embarrassment. Where there is doubt, let us sow true faith. We pray for all women who live in fear of their husbands or fathers or forces beyond their control. Help them to be empowered to be their true selves in your true calling for them through your everlasting love and faith. Where there is despair, help us seed hope. We pray for all women who live in the despair of poverty, violence, and trafficking, slavery, and abuse. May the light of your love bring them hope. And where there is sadness, let us bring new joy. Help us to see the strength and goodness of all women and men. Transform our hearts to celebrate the love and grace of all people. And may we be blessed with the courage of the countless women of valor that have left a legacy to us of living for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, may the Lord who brought us to birth by his spirit strengthen us for our daily walk with him. May the Lord who provides for all of our needs sustain us day by day. May the Lord whose steadfast love is constant as a mother's care send us out to live and work for others. And may we celebrate and encourage the women of valor that surround us. Go in peace.